Happy non-denominational winter festivus to you all, and welcome to the asterisk! Deck the halls with boughs of advocacy, and don't get caught under the mistletoe, or you'll be getting a little too familiar with your president and vice president external. Cagatio, cagatoro, avellanes en mato, si no cagues de et dare un cop de pasto, cagatio. Do you know what I've just sung? No, what is that? I mean, I didn't really do it because I don't speak Spanish and I butchered it, I guarantee. <laughs> that is a traditional folk song, Ryan, president of Seitza, that I've just sung. What, is, what does it mean? Um... Thank you for introducing me and taking that cue very well. I'm Liam. I'm the Vice President External, and welcome to the Asterisk. And this year, on this, ooh, ooh, this cold, wintry night, we're cuddled up by the fire, just adjacent to the mistletoe, to, uh, to talk to you guys a little bit about some fun uh, holiday traditions. I almost said Christmas, but, like, not all of these are Christmas-related. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just sung you a, a traditional folk song from Spain that I will I will return to later on. Mm. How are you doing though, Ryan? I'm doing pretty good, especially after hearing that song. Yeah, it's very uplifting. I know. Very uplifting. I've been told that my singing voice sounds like the sound of Spanish angels. Sounds smooth like butter. Smooth like Spanish butter. Exactly. Precisely. That's a lie. The traditional vice president external um, Christmas song. Yeah. Well. Once you find out what it says, I'm going to maybe disown it. But <laughs> For now, then. It is a great traditional song. Um, I thought you were going to say the traditional qualification of the vice president external is have your voice mm-hmm. sound smooth like butter. And, and that could potentially be a job requirement in the future. I, I don't know. You, you know what, Liam? That would be up to our board of directors. I'm actually I'm putting that forward at the AGM to, to add that to my let's job description. Do yeah, let's thanks. do it. Let's make you. it. Let's make it law. Yeah, and then kind of retroactively by that being in the job description it would reinf- i could then claim that my voice does sound that way by law and uh you guys can stop saying that my voice sounds high-pitched over the mic on apex legends uh, maybe no promises i probably sound like a 14 year old child in this recording maybe i mean your, yeah. b- your voice would sound smooth like dairy free dairy free butter <laughs> let me tell you that's not very good clumpy like cottage cheese exactly. that's my voice <laughs> cottage cheese <laughs> the weirdest food Oh my God! Who likes cottage cheese? I don't know. One of those foods that being allergic to dairy definitely doesn't make me miss. Yeah, um, cottage cheese is so weird. I bet it's a holiday tradition in some in some place part of the world. You know why? Because there's a lot of weird holiday conditions. World's best segue. That's th- that's true. I think I there said holiday, are. I think I said holiday conditions. And there not are a lot of very strange holiday conditions, uh, and we're going to tell you guys a little <laughs> bit about some of those conditions today. Yeah, um, I'll go first. I found one that's fun. Um, I kind of knew this ahead of time. I don't know the reasoning behind it. So I, I will preface this by saying, like, I knew that, like, um, yeah, I had a lot of Jewish friends growing up in high school and their families would always go get Chinese food for Christmas. <laughs> and the reasoning behind it I was always given was just like, well, like, a lo- all the, everyone's closed except for Chinese food places on Christmas. And since they don't celebrate Christmas, um, my Jewish friends would just go out and get Chinese food and bring it home. And it was like this great tradition that they just they just like associate christmas with chinese food um 
in Japan, and I don't really understand the reasoning behind this um, at all until I read this. In Japan, they ate KFC. I love that. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> the traditional <laughs> KFC feast. <laughs> There's like a big bucket of KFC on, on Christmas Christmas Eve. Apparently, it's due to a combination of tiny Japanese ovens, uh, especially in the cities, and a clever marketing campaign. And it was literally just... Um, they, they had a marketing campaign, apparently, like a really long, uh, like a really long time ago to us, um, convincing local Japanese people that fried chicken is a traditional American Yuletide feast. <laughs> They've been bamboozled. Yeah, they literally just got <laughs> scammed. <laughs> got, and the Japanese scammed. were like, oh, the, the Americans do it. We should traditionally celebrate with traditional KFC as well. Yeah, but it's not like the Americans own Christmas at all. Like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all. Now I don't want to. I don't want to like. Um, I don't want to like uh, denigrate. Is that the word? I don't want to make it sound like the Japanese just got duped. I think they all realized this like pretty shortly after. But they also all realized that eating KFC is awesome. <laughs> it, yes, it is awesome. Yeah. So apparently, it's like you have to make reservations sometimes like months in advance, depending on how populous your area is, to get a big old bucket of KFC for Christmas. Months in advance for KFC. I guess you can't just, like, buy it the day before. You don't want, like, day-old oh, no. fried chicken. Oh, gross. No, KFC is, like, best and, frankly, only eaten within, like, 20 minutes of, of it coming out of the fryer. After that, yeah. mm, not feed it to the dogs. Not recommended. No, like, throw it in the ocean. <laughs> it's not <Yeah>. great. <laughs> did you find any Did you find any hot holiday traditions? Well, I always had the, the one from the office that lots of people know about, which is... Uh, Dwight's version of the Belschnickel. Uh, and turns out that's a real thing. The that's Belschnickel? That's a real thing. Yeah, and I know uh, we talked about this before, but Liam, you haven't seen that episode. And basically the Belschnickel is just basically like a dirty Santa. Like a, <laughs> like a very dirty Santa. And he is described... Wait, where is this from? It, it's, it's, uh, it's German. It's a German tradition. Of um, course it is. They you, have Krampus too, right? Ex- they do have Krampus too. I think we're going <laughs> to talk about that other weird <laughs> German Christmas tradition. But it seems like the German Christmas traditions are to terrify the children. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've ever re- read any of like Grimm's original fairy tales. Um, I think those a lot of those are German folk tales too. And all of them are terrifying. I think it's just a German tradition <laughs> to just like in general <laughs> to scare the shit out of their kids. <laughs> So funny. Okay, so listen to this description of the Belschnickel, because I thought this was h- hilarious. He wears torn, tattered, and dirty clothes. He carries a switch in his hand with which to beat naughty children, but also pockets full of cake, candies, and nuts for good children. <laughs> so he just, like, reaches into his pocket. This is what I'm assuming. Like, he beats you a little bit, and then he goes to your buddy, and he's like, have some nuts, good child. <laughs> In, out of his just dirty Santa out of, pocket. Out of his dirty, yeah, his dirty Santa pocket. Because that's basically what he is. He's oh, man. Dirty Would Santa. you call them Santa yum nuts? Then? Oh, Throw back to disgusting. the last episode. Uh, I wouldn't like to, but if that's the way we're headed, then yes, the the Sam, the, the yum nuts. Um, but yeah, this, that's a real thing. They 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 celebrate um, Belschnickel. Uh, apparently, it is super common right now in... Pennsylvania Dutch communities, which is what Dwight talks about, but also in Brazilian German communities. What? 
why? <laughs> why? Not only did you, I don't mean why did you just smack your lips there, <laughs> which is disgusting, <laughs> but what the hell, Germany? Uh, like, as I think that's like probably something that's been said a lot in, throughout history. What the hell, what Germany? What the hell, Germany? Trying to invade their castles. Dude, what the hell, Germany? Big old castle. I'm just trying to invade you. <laughs> in medieval times, all the way through to this. Us now saying, what the hell? What the hell, Germany? Speaking of what the hell, Germany, what did you learn about Krampus? I didn't learn anything about Krampus. That was on your agenda. Well, let me tell you what I learned about <laughs> Krampus. I gave you the Germany region because I knew it was going to be a whole... <laughs> bucket of crazy shit this this one wasn't even this one wasn't even I, I didn't even know this was from the german tradition before also didn't know that the belschnickel was from but the, tr- the the krampus is a horned anthropomorphic figure described as half goat half demon who during the christmas season punishes children who have misbehaved Oh, yeah, I'm reading it's an austrian tradition and he's the bad cop to saint nick's good cop it's like, it, yeah, in Canada, celebrating Christmas and you were a naughty child. Oh, no, I got some coal. No. Psych, I can sell that coal because it's Psych. fossil fuel and it can be useful. Um, but no, in Germany, you just get eaten by a demon. Yeah. G- the, the Germans realized early on that you can't have something good with all, all, without also having an equally bad thing. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> okay, apparently... Um, it is like spread to other regions of Europe. Uh, I'm seeing some pictures of dudes in Norway dressed as Krampus, <laughs> no. but men dressed in devil costumes roam the streets at night during Christmas in Austria, carrying chains and a basket, a basket for abducting especially <laughs> bad children <laughs> and hauling them to hell. <laughs> they don't even eat the them. Classic tr- Christmas tradition of hauling not <laughs> children to hell. <laughs> That's one way to keep the kids <laughs> off the streets. Yeah, get rid of them. Yeah. If they're naughty, just send them straight send them to, to hell. In a basket <laughs> with a D. Hell, hell going to literally going to hell in a handbasket. My God. Uh, speaking of Norway, since I did talk about Norway, this counts as a smooth transition. Uh, don't at me, listeners. In Norway, they associate Christmas time with, uh, or holiday time, but it is christmas time there that they still that you know what i mean all right it's it's holidays here nowadays but they were this is all associated with christmas in norway they believe that it coincides with the arrival of evil spirits and witches <laughs> so all of norwegian householders evil. oh yeah more evil more christmas evil i don't know if you've ever seen tangent i can highly recommend the b horror movie to any of our listeners um i think it's like the evil santa claus or something anyway he kills people with icicles and it is sick oh man <laughs> Norwegians hide all their brooms before they go to sleep on Christmas Eve. Why is that? Because nothing spoils Christmas quicker than finding your broom in broken pieces at the foot of your Christmas tree, trashed by some joyriding witch. <laughs> I yeah. cannot imagine how <laughs> how devastating it would be to have my my broom broken by some witch. Well, the implication behind that to me implies that there should also be a broken witch nearby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> certainly if the broom failed, use them to the fly. Witch, like laying on the ground, I'm like ow. ow. <laughs> yeah, so those Halloween ow. decorations that some people put up of like a witch flying into their house, and it's like half of a witch. You know, have you seen that on a street? Like an inflatable witch that's like flown into a tree, like oh, a yeah. George, George of the Jungle style. Like that actually just happens in Norway. At Christmas. At, only at Christmas, though, oh, not Christmas. Halloween. Completely unrelated to Halloween. Don't yeah. even mention Halloween around them. 
<laughs> it seems that the Christmas spirit seems in a lot of other places to be a spirit of fear instead of, yeah. you know, joy and celebration. It's like, hey, it's punishment season now. That's why I've always been a, a proponent of Festivus. Festivus. What is Festivus? Well, Festivus is a celebration invented by the father of George Costanza in Seinfeld. Um, I have no further information on it. I kind of forget the details of the plot, but there's a pole involved. Oh. Which implies to me that there's strippers involved? Sounds pretty metal to me. A pole? I don't think there's strippers involved. Stripper pole? Hmm. But nothing brings us together in the holidays like strippers, mm-hmm. male or female. You know or what? non-binary, frankly. The the title of Festivus really flows off the tongue, I would say, better than Christmas or Demon Christmas. Yeah. You know, growing up, I was told not to call it Xmas because it was taking the Christ out of Christmas. <laughs> Turns out that's just like a total lie. Like the Romans, when they were still like not so hot on um, Christians or maybe it was some later group, um, Christians would just put the X in there so you would know if you were Christian to insert Christ there. So it's actually literally keeping Christ in there while hmm. avoiding persecution. Just a little hot, little fun fact for you. Hmm. I talk a lot about my religious past on this, uh, on this, <laughs> on this podcast. It's obviously been reason. very impactful. Well, it was formative. Yeah. You know? I hold no ill well. Yeah. You had the, the parents who instilled those in you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Speaking of kind of a, a weird thing that, you know, we do, um, other than instill fear, fear in children, um, and I will say that I think my family was definitely guilty of this. Is the really weird tradition of the elf on the shelf? Oh, dude, that Have scares the shit out of me. <laughs> I hadn't heard of it until I was like seventeen. I do, honestly, it was when I moved to Calgary that I had that I heard about it first. In I your dorms, it. you just had the, you, the elf showed up. Yeah, a random elf showed up on the mantle in one of the UFC dorms, and I was just like, oh, dude, man. what? Why is there an elf there? Yeah, do you know the story behind the elf in the shelf? Because I don't. I'd love it if you told me what the hell it's supposed to do. Is it supposed to keep an eye on the naughty children and drag them to hell? It's It's not supposed to drag them to hell. But maybe maybe in the next edition of the book that sparked this Christmas tradition, the elf on the shelf does drag the naughty children to hell. There's a book? It's it's based on a book. So it's a Christmas tradition started in 2005, a picture book. I feel like this is like the Transformers cartoon. Like it's just created to sell toys. Uh, yeah, it is. It's what? created to sell the elf on the shelf, which it's is a lit- product. <laughs> it's literally just like a capitalist, most ma- like materialistic yeah. Christmas tradition. Yeah, but, it, it, but it's, it's like a fab- yeah, it's like a fabricated Christmas tradition that's new and started to be this thing, and it's a super weird Christmas tradition that's taken taken on a lot of. Uh, t- it's it's become in a lot of. Um, it's getting a lot of importance. Is that what you're trying to say? A lot of people do it. I think the w- term Man, new tradition, brutal. I think the term new tradition is oxymoronic. It does seem really weird, doesn't it? And I think it? this tradition is regular moronic. It's double moronic. I just don't like it. Absolutely. In Caracas, Venezuela, thoughts and prayers, <laughs> uh, they roller skate to and from church on Christmas. Do you know that? Is there a story behind that? Uh no, this is just it's a fun just, fact. Yeah, we just do. It's like the it's like the Chinese food. They were just like, yeah, we like roller skating. We like Christmas. So like, it's a tradition now. We just do it. Yeah, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't talk so much shit about like new traditions because at one point this clearly kick ass roller skating tradition must have been new. <laughs> like at some point, someone was just like, you know what? Me and the whole fam are strapping on these blades. We're gonna blade to church. Well, you know, Liam, you talked a little bit a second ago about um, ancient Rome, and 
in my you know generous studies of history, the ancient Romans really loved roller skating. Oh, so wow. it could have been a very ancient tradition. Yeah, I've been to the Colosseum, and I remember the first thing I thought when I saw it was great place this for is a hu- well, it's a huge roller derby. Oh, arena, uh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, second only to chariot races. Same it, with the Colosseum. Yeah, well, I said the Colosseum. What the hell did you think I was talking about? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. The Trevi Fountain, great roller derby <laughs> spot. Get with the program, president. In the capital of Venezuela, Caracas, it is so widespread, this rollerblading, that many roads in the capital are closed until 8 a.m. to provide Christmas worshippers a safe passage. Wait, until 8 a.m.? Gee, how early are you going to church on Christmas Day? Ask your religious parents? Well, yeah, I guess they did wake me up for sunrise services. Oh man. Yeah, nothing is that nothing, like, oh, nothing I guess it's 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 Christmas, so <laughs> that's like in December, so sunrise is at like noon, right? No, it's still pretty early. <laughs> and yeah, there's nothing better to instill love for Christmas in your children than to wake them up on a cold winter morning and shove them onto a beach on Vancouver Island. At least you have a beach in Calgary where I grow up. If you get s- brought up early like that, it's a snowbank. <laughs> Everyone's just doing Christmas service up to their waist and pal. And you know the 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 just to bring it back for a second, the thing I was thinking of that made myself look like a fool was the Roman Pantheon because it's got a smooth floor all in it, and it's uh, a big circle with like an open roof. You know, it was the largest dome for like a really long time. The Pantheon, be, yeah, for like hundreds of years. Like Europeans were looking at that, like, dude, how the hell? Because they knew that they had to build an appropriately sized dome so that they could have those large roller derbies. Yeah, I wish I do. I, at one point, I knew the um, the emperor who built it. Diocletian, Diocletian, maybe. Mm, Hadrian. No, it wasn't Hadrian. That dude built a wall. Everyone knows that, at least in Scotland. Architect. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. In Greenland, they eat whale blubber. Did you know that? Greenland's a weird place, man. Hey, you can't call it weird. I think it's whatever they have on hand, dude. Whale blubber? It's That's only whale have. blubber there. Is, is no it Iceland or exports. Greenland that has reindeers, t- too? Probably Iceland. I think Greenland has people and ice. Uh, Iceland. You said Greenland. Yeah, Greenland has people and ice. Dude, oh, you guys really Iceland. got duped by the Vikings. They named it the, that way to lure unwary colonists over. To Greenland. Yeah. The dude who found it, I think it might have been Eric the Red or maybe his son, Leif Erikson, discovered <laughs> Greenland and he was just like, yo, hey, Icelanders, you should come over here. It's, it's called green. Greenland. And then they got there and they were like, we've, we've been duped. <laughs> That's pretty rough. Yeah. Um, in Ukraine, they deck the halls with spider webs. That's a pretty weird one. Yeah, it is. But do I want to kind of... Do we know why? Um... Apparently, it has its origins in, in an old tale of a poor woman who couldn't afford to decorate her tree and woke up on Christmas morning to discover that a spider had covered it in glorious, sparkling web, much like kind of a Charlotte's Web type relationship there. <laughs> Salutations, old Ukrainian woman. Here are my gifts of spider web. Yeah. <laughs> That'll do, spider. <laughs> I thought that's you babe. were... That's not... That's not uh, show its web. That's big. Different, different movie pig. I thought you were gonna talk about how it was spider webs because spider webs are scary, and as we know, <laughs> many of these traditions are just to do with scaring people. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, like in Italy, Santa's little helper is an old, ugly witch. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Amazing. Not great. 
Um, in okay, so I'm gonna return back to Spain here. Um, in Spain, and not in the region that I was previously referencing. We'll get to that because it's my favorite one, and it's last. Um, in Spain, it's apparently tradition to like wear brand new red underwear mm. on Christmas Day. Like treat yourself. Or sorry, on New Year's Eve. So yeah. New Year's Eve tradition. Yeah, a and holiday a, festivus tradition. Yeah, and there's a new. Yeah, I think that's probably the only holiday tradition. Everything we've covered so far has been Christmas due to the weirdness of Europe mm. and the fact that it's in Christendom. Um, a small town, La Fonte de, F- de la Figuera, oh my God, I'm so bad at Spanish, uh, has taken it one step further. They have a New Year's Eve run where you run through the town in just your red underwear. Hmm. Now that is a marathon I can get behind. I like, don't think it's a marathon. Like just, wow. Yeah. In the winter. In the winter. I mean, winter in Spain. Doesn't it still get cold in Spain? Maybe it doesn't. I don't mm-hmm. know. I think... I don't know. It's kind of Mediterranean. Depends on North or South Spain. South yeah. Spain, you're clean. You're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any Calgarian could easily brave that kind of cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, I, I want... <laughs> now, that's general Spain. But you might... I know what you're wondering, Ryan. What about Catalonia? Which... Exactly. Depending on whether or not you're Catalan, is either in Spain or is very much not supposed to be a part of Spain. <laughs> Uh, I won't get into the whole secession crisis, but I will tell you something about pretty something that's pretty fun about Catalan. That song I was singing is tied to it. Um, in Catal- Catalonia, they have uh, they have the Christmas poop log, and that's not just the poop you take <laughs> on Christmas morning. <laughs> is this another scary tradition? Um, n- no, I'm told, but I s- guarantee you if I saw it being performed, I would be scared. <laughs> um, the Tio de Nadal is found in many Aragonese and Catalan homes during the holiday season. It's a hollow log about 30 centimeters long. That's like your standard ruler. Mm. Um, recently, it's come to stand up on two or four little stick legs uh, with a broad, I'm looking at the picture, very creepy face painted on the end. <laughs> Okay. And with a little red sock hat, okay, on the top. Seems sounds scary. I hope that's the path that we're going down. Yeah, you know that's yeah, it's okay. Anyway, beginning with the feast of the Immaculate Conception, which is December eighth, for uh, those who are not aware, you give the teal a little bit to eat every night, and you cover him with a blanket so he doesn't get cold. You just take care of this little log. Isn't that sweet? That is sweet. You it know what? This isn't very scary. No, it's not very scary at all. It's very sweet and um, absolutely not gross. Uh, in the days preceding Christmas, you really have to take good care of the log. You have to keep it warm, keep feeding it. Uh, and the purpose you do this, I know you're, you're thinking it is like goodwill, mm-hmm. right? You got to take care of this yeah. on, on you're Christmas. You're showing the log that you love it just like you, so you can care for things. Yeah, wrong. It's entirely self-serving. Yeah. It's so that it shits presents on Christmas Day. <gasps> yeah, oh, on no. Christmas Day... Or on some households, Christmas Eve, one puts the teal <laughs> partly into the fireplace oh and orders it god. orders it to defecate. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, uh, to ma- d- dark <laughs> to make it defecate presents. <laughs> one beats the teal with sticks while, while it's in the fire, <laughs> while, while singing various songs of Theo de Nadal. Uh, the tradition says that bef- before beating the log, all the kids have to leave. <laughs> Beating the log sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> All the kids have to leave the room. <laughs> that definitely sounds like a euphemism. It's not. They're literally beating a log. Have to leave the room and go to another place of the house to pray. And you pray 
apparently you pray to the to God that he will make the Tia deliver a lot of presents by Poop. shitting them out. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Or pooping, if you prefer. <laughs> um, nowadays, the praying tradition has been left behind. It's just the shitting. And the beating. And the beating. <laughs> um, however, still, children still go to a different room, usually the kitchen, to warm their beating stick next to a fire. <laughs> this, this usually makes the perfect excuse for the relatives to do the trick and put the presents under the blanket while kids are praying or warming their sticks. So they come back into the room, and then when they beat the log... I don't know, I guess someone kind of covers their mouth and goes, and like makes like a little fart noise or something. And then yeah. they pull over the blanket. There's a bunch of shit covered presents or mysteriously not shit covered presents. Oh, I feel like I would immediately see right through that. If I was like a 10 year old, I'd be like, where's the poop? Where's <laughs> Why is there just presents? Maybe they sprinkle some wood chips over him to be oh, like, oh, yeah. you know, he pooped them out, you know, kid. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there's a song. <laughs> the song I sang at the beginning of this episode is the Gagatia song. There's many different variants, like some, explicitly tell it not to shit sardines out because apparently they don't <laughs> like sardines um you know those get a bad rap only jamon only the jamon. finest jamon the words go a little bit like this when translated to a, a language i can actually speak shit log shit nougats hazelnuts and mato cheese not any other kind of cheese Jesus just mato cheese. cheese if you don't shit well i'll hit you with a stick <laughs> shit log and you just say that over and over again while beating the shit out of this log, literally. <laughs> and then a parent comes over, uh, well, lifts the present, look, you did an such RC a good car. Job. Yeah, you did such a good job of beating the log. Yeah, Great work. This log that you beat the shit out of has rewarded you with a wood chip covered PlayStation 5. You gotta, you gotta really instill those values into children early, you know? You gotta make them know that if they want something, they have to beat beat the shit out of something and then they'll get it <laughs> literally yeah, i'd love to uh, i wonder what it's like to ask for a raise in catalonia just gotta go right. warm hey, up boss. your stick yeah. <laughs> walk in there with a switch yeah <laughs> we bring up switches a lot in this podcast too yeah not the nintendo one go fetch me a switch <laughs> give me a raise <laughs> anyway ryan you should need you need to stay away from me and my stick yeah apparently <laughs> That's all I got for you, man. What do you think? I think the world is a dark and scary place, Liam. Yeah, maybe next year we'll cover some holiday traditions about other holidays in, you know, the non-Christendom version of the world. Version of the world? Portion of the world. Mm. It's a different universe. Yeah. Um, But this part of the year is now the holidays and, you know, kind of, um, what's the word? Secular? I almost, said sep- I almost said separatist. Separatist. <laughs> it's separatist. The separatist conditions. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah. These are many s- separatist conditions. Uh, but this, you know, this time <laughs> of the year is to is like associated largely with Christmas due to the timing. But there are a bunch of different traditions around the world. Maybe we'll cover those uh, next year, uh, and we'll just mm-hmm. leave the the previously Christmas time nowadays just holiday time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to go do its own thing. Mm-hmm. So happy Kwanzaa, Ryan, and uh, oh dear God. Is that a Christmas version of the musical transition? Oh no, Santa's here. Oh no, it's not Santa at all. It's Bumsnickel or whatever. <laughs> He's here. <laughs> Dear God, I have it. No, what's He's he got a switch. He's got a switch. <laughs> Thank you.
Popsnickle. Popsnickle. Hey, uh, for everyone who's not here in the room right now, we've just been attacked um, by a, a very nefarious Belschnickel um, who has left. I, I knew I shouldn't have invited him to be our sound engineer this a time. Terrible decision. Terrible decision to we really invite Belschnickel as, as our sound engineer. We have to lock down a single evil spirit. We do. But you know what? At least a bonus with this one, we have pockets full of cake. Um, pocket cake. He didn't give me any cake. I got the pocket cake. He gave me a Santa yum nut. We've spent a little bit of time in this episode talking about traditions around the world. Uh, and now we want to talk a little bit about uh, our students from around the world. L- That's little our... interjection. We spent this <laughs> previous segment talking about really traditions from Europe. Um, <laughs> we neglected we neglected the rest of the world, which we will not do in this segment. We will absolutely not. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about our international students um, and everything we're doing to try and support international students uh, as well as we can. Um, for lots of you who don't know, State actually hasn't had a ton of international students for a long time. This is kind of a new a new trend, um, and it's actually a trend that's going to be continuing into the future. State's goal uh, in the next few years is to have a, uh, a international student population of about 4,000 students in the next couple of years. Which, which is a lot, and, and more than just state. Um, part of the economic recovery plan for Alberta that the state sitting government, uh, a vital part of it is international students are looking Absolutely. to increase the population across the province by like 400%. Absolutely. In, in the past kind of five years, we, we would have seen a state that has maybe a couple hundred international students at most. Um, so... We're seeing all these international students come, and then we don't have the proper resources at state to make sure that their, you know, different needs are met. We're traditionally, you know, a a commuter campus for Calgarians or other Albertans that want to come to state and learn technical skills. But now we have people coming from all over the world. And a lot of them too. Yeah, and Sage is making an effort to bring in, in in more, as you as you mentioned, is just part of the plan. But like we, uh, not we, uh, total slip of the tongue. We always do this. Sage actually has like a whole department that goes abroad to other countries and markets our programs. Yeah, their programs. Damn it! I always say we, and then we're <laughs> separate organizations. <laughs> we don't do it. They. Do. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it, it is absolutely something that they definitely do and and we love having our international students here because it brings in new ideas diverse perspectives all that fun stuff but if we're bringing international students in we get to benefit from this diversity we need to be able to support them um and there are signed kind of some injustices right now that are that are happening um do you want me to tell you a little bit about those injustices liam yeah, you got really erotic with we, that. We uh, we love tackling injustice in this house. You make me feel uncomfortable. I'm sorry. Krampus, hit him with the switch. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, you dirty animal, go ahead. So speaking of that pain, uh, we have separate plans for health and dental insurance for our domestic students and our international students. And right now we see the health and dental insurance for our international students mostly just covers, you know, emergencies. Like if you get hit by a car, you can go to the hospital. But like, hey, if you just uh, if you just like need a massage or want to get your teeth cleaned, doesn't cover it. And our international students, you know, want to be able to have clean teeth. Yeah, and massages. And I massages. would have used something. Uh, and used, maybe, I w- maybe wouldn't have you don't even bring up acupuncture it's a larger conversation <laughs> Krampus switch <laughs> and counseling uh, for uh, Krampus, Krampus. Krampus actually says 
Krampus is over there actually holding up a sign that says, um, "It's Belschnickel." He, he actually, sorry, yeah, Belschnickel. Sorry, <laughs> he looks so similar. <laughs> Belschnickel's actually over there with a bunch of acupuncture needles in him. Apparently, he's pro acupuncture, and uh, I've angered him. <laughs> Hopefully, he doesn't turn the switch on me. <laughs> well, you've saved yourself from the switch this time. Anyway, acupuncture is included apparently, but uh, I would use something but maybe more intensive than massages. There's also like canceling that's yeah, coming. Canceling. If international students are stressed out, prescription like drugs. Yeah, stressed being in a new school in a, a new country, need counseling. Nope, can't have it under our plans. Yeah, and and that's that's a problem for international students right now, and that's something that we're trying to fix. So we're actively really trying to get um, international students, all of the international students, onto our health and dental plan. And yeah, our health and dental plan is actually way cheaper too. It gets you those benefits, and it's cheaper. So we we want them. Yeah, and uh, I should kind of. R- come back to what i just said i said it's not covered under our plans it is covered under our plans they're not on our plans and that's the problem exactly so um for those of you who might not know uh SATSA, the student association we run our own health and dental plan um so we get to determine the coverage the fees all that kind of stuff um which is super cool um and and yeah um we just get to do it for domestic students right now so we're trying to expand that one of the other really cool things is uh, something that our federal advocacy group is working a lot on. And Liam, as the vice president external, you're very involved with this organization. They're called CASA. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so CASA is the Canadian Alliance of Student Associations. Uh, we are a, a member there, of course. Um, one of the asks this year is pertaining to the integration of the work and study permit. Um, and to talk a little bit more about it, we've got uh, you know a great interview with someone who we're always glad to talk to. It's the director of communications at Casa Akanksha. Future Liam here after that beautiful musical interlude, joining you from the interview zone, the small pocket dimension that we reserve for interviewers and interviewees. We send a little portal device to them in the mail, and I have teleported from Ontario into this pocket dimension, Akanksha, communications director from CASA. Say hello, Akanksha. Hi, thank you so much for having me, and I really loved uh, welcoming you via the portal. (laughs) Well, I hope it hasn't uh, upset your stomach. I know using teleportation technology sometimes does result and some uh, gastrointestinal distress, but I'm glad to see that you've handled teleportation just fine, and uh, we're ready to talk a little bit about what we do at at our kind of shared organization here. Um, First, why don't you tell our people what what your role is, um, what you do at CASA? Yeah, so as Liam had said, my name is Akanksha, and I'm the Communications and Public Relations Officer with the Canadian Alliance of Student Associations. Awesome. And... uh, just for our listeners who aren't aware, what, what does that mean? What is, what is CASA? Exactly. So CASA is a student-led member organization um, that sort of represents post-secondary students across the country. We represent about 365,000 students in partnership with the Quebec Students' Union. And we do things like advocacy to the federal government on issues that relate to post-secondary, whether that be um, about textbook advocacy, whether that be about tuition, whether that be 
about, um, you know, international students like we're going to discuss today, but we're just making sure that the post-secondary voice is heard at the federal level. Awesome. But when did, hey, when did CASA come about? I know there's uh, maybe some of our more in-tune students or listeners will know that there are, uh, you know, a few um, uh, post-secondary education advocacy groups uh, up at the federal level, including, you know, CASA, CFS. Uh, what differentiates CASA? You know, where, where did we come about and, uh, and when? So CASA is actually celebrating our 25th anniversary this year, which has been pretty fun. Um, so we were founded in 1995, and it really started with 12 member organizations that were really frustrated with a lot of the education cuts that have been happening federally, and they wanted to unite the voices of students across the country. And so they put together the Canadian Alliance of Student Associations at this conference called the Winds of Change Conference. And I'm originally from the University of Alberta Students Union, and we are one of the founding members, actually. Oh, great. It looks, sounds like Alberta's kind of had a, a key role to play at CASA from the start then, which I'm always glad to hear. Absolutely. Um, I guess I guess we'll get right into it. What a, I know there's, I've seen the advocacy document this year, um, and I know it's filled with great asks. I know we, we just came out of a, a, a month of advocacy talking to uh, MPs and senators from, uh, from the Hill, digitally, of course, keeping it safe, um, advocating for all of those asks. But to our listeners, I think we want to talk about just one in particular today. Uh, I know that we have an international student ask. We quite often do have a focus on international students uh, at CASA. Uh, what is it this year? Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so this is like one of, um, obviously, like you said, five asks, and we've been talking about this international ask for a few years now, but the short version of it is that we're really looking at the federal government to allow international students to participate in international or in internships and co-ops under their current, current study permit rather than getting them to apply for a separate work permit. So what that means is when you're applying to different jobs or different work opportunities, as a domestic student, you can just you know apply, do the interview, and you're good to go. As an international student, your study permit only lets you study, and it only lets you you know do classes. It doesn't necessarily allow you to work and then get paid for that work. And so they have to go in and apply for a second permit to make sure that they're allowed to. The issue with that is that as we all know, the turnaround time between your interview and your job uh, offer of letter might actually take, you know, really quickly. And the job um, application for the work permit does not happen that fast. And so with international students providing obviously a lot of economic and cultural value and they're paying, you know, high tuition fees often, the number one thing that they can't get involved in, which is work integrated learning, is something that CASA really wants to be able to, to fix and really wants to be able to you know, reduce that red tape when it comes to them getting involved um, at the federal level or even in any sort of work integrated learning opportunities. Awesome. Yeah, that that's that's a crazy. That's an angle I didn't really consider is like maybe you even find a, an internship. You're lucky enough to kind of um, get your foot in the door there. But then you're just waiting on the bureaucracy of, of the of the feds and Immigration Canada to just kind of process your paperwork and maybe that job slips away. Um, and, you know, I think that's such an important thing to hit on. I mean, we know from our, our provincial lobbying partners through SATSA that uh, we, there's a, a vast, um, uh, you know, an overwhelming number of international students are kind of using it as a pathway to citizenship. And so these aren't really just international students that we're talking about. These are future uh, Albertans, future Canadians in the case of uh, CASA's advocacy. Um, and yeah. more than that, so many of these internships and uh, work integrated learning opportunities across Canada I know from Cass's research, uh, go unfilled every year. 
so getting these international students the ability to participate uh, seems very prudent to me. Um, is there anything uh, you'd like to add about maybe like the urge, the urgency of this ask? Yeah, I know I we've gonna... been asking about it for a few years now. Yeah, I was going to say like the actual like change that needs to happen to enact this is actually quite administrative. There's not a lot of, you know, general tasks that need to get done other than just that administrative change to allow for the people to have the work permit and the study permit together. So, I mean, given that the federal government has prioritized, like you said, like skilled immigration and ensuring that there's retention of these students in Canada, we want to make sure that the thing that gets them to stay here, which is, you know, integrating themselves into the economy is something that's easy for them, right? And it's urgent because with um, the pandemic causing a lot of economic turmoil for the country, like, wouldn't you want to retain your best and brightest? Wouldn't you want to retain the students that chose to come to Canada when other countries are sort of rejecting that global talent. So it's definitely important that Canada does their part to, you know, retain this top capital, the top talent and ensuring that students have access to jobs and that it's not an administrative error that's causing them to leave Canada. Yeah, it makes sense. You don't want you don't want just some uh, red tape to tie people up and eventually Absolutely. <laughs> get them to leave our, our, our workforces here. Is uh is there any cost benefit for students here? Um, I think in terms of cost benefit, like what you're going to be seeing is that the actual application for the we're going to be simpler. It's going to be faster. Um, the actual cost with changing it, we estimated it to be around a million dollars um, total because it is just an administrative change, but you know, if we're getting more students generally involved in work integrated learning, we're actually opening up the doors for different types of work integrated learning companies and organizations to understand that, wow, hiring students is a good thing for us. And so in the long term, what we can see is that if we're allowing a diversity of students to get involved in work integrated learning opportunities, that other companies that currently don't hire students or that don't integrate student work into their organizations are going to start seeing the value that students can bring um, while they're in their degree and, you know, really being those trendsetters when it comes to changing their organization or even, you know, ensuring that their organization stays relevant to the everyday lives of students. Of course. Uh, and, and for the context of our listeners, I mean, a million dollars sounds like, oh, no, such uh, quite a bit of money. But on, on the federal scale, when we're talking about million across millions of citizens, uh, and especially on the federal government level, that is really a, <laughs> quite a small sum uh, to make such a simple change. Uh, well, Akanksha, thank you so much for shedding some light on this uh, on this ask. Um, I, I know we got a teleport teleportation technology is a little unstable. You know, we might disappear into the immaterium if we stay in this pocket dimension a little too too long. You can feel the ground shaking here. Uh, so maybe it's best that we teleport back to our kind of more state standard reality. Uh, I'll let yeah. you get back to Ontario, and maybe I'll head back to, uh, to the freezing uh, the freezing city of Calgary. But uh, and I'll let our listeners enjoy some nice musical interlude. But thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> awesome. See you later. Bye. Hey everyone, welcome back. Yeah, uh, that's, that's always so fun to talk to a Kanksha. We always have a great time. We love a Kanksha. And a Kanksha was the president of the University of Alberta Student Union last year, so I got the chance to work with her in Ottawa at CASA before the plague times, which was super cool. Uh, and we talked to lots of members of parliament about this and 
other groups that you know help us uh, get these needs met for our international students. So super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that's kind of more internal to SAIT and our vice president academic would love again that I'm going to be talking about this. Her name is Jasmine. Hi, Jasmine. Um, is plagiarism. And that sounds weird to say that she's going to love us talking about that. But it's a really... Well, she's she's famously a big proponent. <laughs> she loves she, she loves, loves plagiarism. plagiarism. Yeah. Uh, she loves to talk about it. Let's say that because she's trying to, you know, help all of our students. But what we've noticed uh, specifically with um, international students is the way that we see plagiarism is different from the way that a lot of other countries around the world see plagiarism. And that kind of ties back to cultural differences. Totally. Like it's, it's this idea, I've always kind of found it weird that in, in the West, we definitely have this idea of ownership of, of ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that like if I write a report saying some great things that you think are great ideas and you'd love to convey them in your own writings, kind of build on them, the, the, let's say just like the, the, not the standards, but the requirements of citing me and like how much credit you have to hand back to me for just having a thought Mm -hmm. is different from country to country way different extremely different and actually one of the coolest ways i've heard uh one specific difference described to me um is kind of uh an, an analogy using speeding as an example which is really cool um so i've been told that students from india see plagiarism Morris, the way we see speeding. So, as you probably do in your car. That I don't own. That you don't own. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you will. That's well, a subtle dude, when I was roll When I was a high roller, when they had a car to go, and I could show up at people's houses in a Merc. Go. Yeah, I was speeding. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone does. You know, everyone speeds a little bit, because that's kind of like the culture in Canada is... You can speed a little bit and it's fine. Cops won't pull you over if you're speeding by, you know, one, two, three, four, five kilometers over the speed limit. It's just not a big deal. Yeah. Every, everyone does it. And we can't necessarily attest to the accuracy of this uh, analogy. It's just something we've been told. Also, I'd like to point out this analogy falls apart with Germans and Italians because of the Autobahn. They just no speed limit. Just drive. The way we see it, though, I mean in Canada. I know. Right. So the way that they see plagiarism is kind of the same thing. Like it, as long as you don't, you know, straight up copy the whole thing, then it's no big deal. Everyone does it. Everyone plagiarizes a little bit because that's just what everyone does. Yeah. It's against the rules. We know it's against the rules, but like we still do it because it's accepted. Um, but as we all know, maybe some of us are even too familiar with Sate takes plagiarism super, super seriously. Yeah. If you if you copy anything at all, it's it's almost immediately an academic misconduct and can definitely get you get kicked out of school right away. Big time. And and when we're talking about other kind of cultures, we, we you know you, you said earlier, you know you know you can just plagiarize away and it's all okay as long as you don't really copy the whole thing. I think even hearing that to the kind of to the Western ear almost sounds like everyone's just going around copying stuff. We still have that negative connotation. What we our listeners really need we're trying to get across to you guys our listeners is you know it's it's just a different standard it's not like people are going around plagiarizing here and there it's not even really thought of it's the standard of plagiarism like Mm -hmm. if you're below a certain bar it's just not really thought of as plagiarism yeah like yeah they tell you not to do it but like hey they tell you not to speed too so eh, it's not really a big deal you can do it a little bit but in north american culture in our culture here at state you can't like not at all absolutely like there is a hard line yeah. And that's something that 
we've actually again created a, a, a council, an academic council, to address those concerns and make sure make sure that um, we're able to effectively communicate that to, to students, especially our international students, so that they aren't being punished for things that they don't even see as an issue. So we need to make sure that they know like what is kind of acceptable in academic standards. Because what happens when you get an academic misconduct when you're, uh, when you're an international student? It's way worse. Yeah. You can get straight up like sent back to your home country. Yeah, yeah. We got like a little, you know, you fail that assignment and then the second offense, I think you fail the course. And the third offense, you're just out of state. You're gone. And then yeah. you lose your, uh, your permit that like allows you to be, yeah, you lose your study permit so you wouldn't be allowed to live in Canada. And then you get like sent home. Yeah, you essentially get deported because yeah. you just weren't brought up in the same standards of plagiarism that we have here. Absolutely. And and so it's a problem of communication. Absolutely. To be to be, to be perfectly clear. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. And and like you said, cultural differences. Um, I know we're going a little bit long here. So, Liam, do we have any fun headlines today? Fun and funny headlines? I do, and we'll get to those right after this fun little Christmas jingle. Welcome back. Ryan, we're running a little long. We all want to get out of here so that uh, Krampus can go get a flamethrower grill burger combo at Dairy Queen. He's been talking about it all day, and he's actually threatening me with the switch right now because I'm running long, just explaining that I'm in danger. Someone send help. For a little Christmas version of the weird headlines segment that we normally end on, uh, this isn't any more Christmassy, but it is a gift. Uh, It's a gift from us to the listener. Um, from starting last episode, we started inserting just one Florida-related headline. Um, but we're actually breaking that rule for this episode. For Christmas, we're going full Florida, baby. And we're going to just whiz right through, sorry, whip right through these. I'm not going to w- take a whiz on these headlines or on my tablet. That's not in my interest. So prepare yourself. Florida woman tries to scam $600 lottery winner by telling him he only won $5, but the winner was an agent working undercover for the State Lottery Commission Security Division. Oh, no. <laughs> That's brutal. Florida man and his two friends rob a drugstore of $320,000 worth in pills, take precautions like wearing surgical gloves so they don't leave prints, but then toss empty pill bottles out of the window of their getaway car, which cops followed like breadcrumbs to their front door. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's some, some some skilled detective work there. Just follow the pill bottles. Teenage Florida man hacks his high school, emails everyone urgent announcement about mandatory penis inspections in accordance with Florida <laughs> Penal Code 69. <laughs> I love that that take. The, the double usage of the word there. Yeah. The, <laughs> the penal code. Florida man causes $100,000 in damage to Walmart liquor store under construction with hot-wired forklift, later gives police his name as Alice Wonderland, claims a hookah-smoking caterpillar told him to do it. Drugs. Drugs. Florida man uses private plane to draw a giant radar penis. That's, that's pretty clever. Fun day to be on the ATC. There, there's a lot of penile infractions here. Yeah, fun day for the air traffic controls. <laughs> 
Florida man caught illegally feeding wild alligator resists arrests, claims he's a good boy, drugs. and he loves bagels. Drugs. Absolutely drugs. Or maybe that was the same guy. Uh, the guy got thrown in jail for driving the forklift, and then somebody had to take all that stolen alcohol. Maybe it was that guy. Florida judge denies bail for 50 out of 51 protesters, only allowing release of an arrested pastor that was praying for police. <laughs> that one's a little dark. Florida's messed up. Florida man arrested for having sex with stuffed Olaf in Target. In Target. Yeah, that's the one from Frozen. Whoa. That's more Christmassy. It's Frozen. That's a Christmas right? tradition. Snowman. <laughs> <laughs> Under the mistletoe with Olaf. Yeah. I hope everyone's enjoyed this reclined. I think last episode was reclined on a bearskin rug. This is more uh, just Christmassy in general or holiday in general. Hope everyone's warming enjoyed this holiday. Switch, warming your switch over the fire. With Ryan and Liam. Yeah. Hope everyone has enjoyed this. Merry Festivus to everybody. Happy Merry holidays. Festivus. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah. Happy everything. Happy uh, Happy Diwali. I think and, that was a couple months ago. And may Belschnickel bring you pockets full of cake. Yeah, and not drag you straight to hell. with Ryan Morstad and me, Liam Hunter. The Asterisk is a production of the State Students Association. You can rate and review the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you do, it might appear in future episodes. Got a question or feedback for us? Shoot us a message through sateza.com slash podcast. Your question might be included on a future episode as well. If you haven't already, subscribe to The Asterisk on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any fine podcast monger of your choice. Thanks to State's Legacy 88 Committee for the gear to produce this episode. This podcast is supported by you, so thank you for listening. This is Liam, signing off.